Hello and welcome to another episode of King's Landing with Kate and Laurel. This week we will be discussing, of course, the fourth episode of season seven entitled The Spoils of War. And that was written by David and Dan and directed by Matt Shackman. Let's just dive right in. Laurel, first scene outside of High Garden. Yes. Um, so I'm so glad to have Braun back this season. Um, mm-hmm. The whole, can I get a castle? Can I get that castle thing was funny. It reminded me of, I forget which, was it season five that he was supposed to marry Lawless? Yeah. The whole Braun and Jamie thing is entirely uh, fiction of the show. It doesn't exist in the books, but mm-hmm. I really do enjoy it. The two actors are just really good. Yeah. But that's happily not the last time that we'll have to discuss them this episode. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to set up the backdrop of the scene is transporting all of the gold back to King's Landing. So that's the context of the scene. And then um, Jamie sends Dickon and um, Randall Tarley and Braun to collect food from the farms around High Garden because mm-hmm. the farmers obviously don't want to give the Lannisters their produce. Um, and then I'm still going to complain a little bit about this whole Iron Bank thing and how out of okay, left field like okay so suddenly the Lannisters are paying off their debt to the Iron Bank and this is a huge plot point but it hasn't been a thing for the last six seasons cool I think the last mention we heard of the Iron Bank before the season was something to the effect of we're ignoring them at a small council meeting yeah and they were supporting Stannis cool so do you want to move on then to Cersei and the Iron Bank? So I love Cersei's dress here. It reminded me of dragon scales. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Um, but it had this kind of scaled effect that looked like it could be reptilian. So I thought that was that was kind of neat. I was like, I wonder if she's trying to like one up Danny. What <laughs> um, other comments did you have? So then also we get mention of the Golden Company in Essos. Yeah, I wanted to go over this really quickly. Um, book readers are very familiar with the Golden Company. That is the sellsword company traveling with Aegon, uh, fake Aegon Targaryen. Um, <laughs> and in the show, we really haven't heard much about them. But they're basically a sellsword company over in Essos, not the one Dario was in. And so they're like 20,000 strong. And if Cersei could get them on her side, that would be a pretty big game changer yeah so her objective is to expand both the army through the golden company but also her navy slash actually euron's navy because the lannisters don't have a navy at this point yes they're still using euron's um and we haven't heard anything about any other people's navies but um the graduates are not the only family in westeros with the navy so that's just something to also note. And um, I will say that the way they set this up is he goes, of course your debts will be paid and we can start talking about all of this once the gold arrives. And so I wrote mm-hmm. in my notes, I have a feeling that the gold isn't going to arrive. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to shoot down Cersei's plans. <laughs> yeah, that's a good pun. Um, But let's go on to the next scene because 
in this episode, we got a lot of Winterfell, and I was so happy right off the bat because it was funny. I love this whole middle section of the episode. There was some really good stuff in here. Um, my first question is, who left Bran and Peter alone in a room together? And also, could, we need to discuss this. What does Littlefinger want with Bran? Yeah, this we get mentioned later on um, that he wouldn't have given brand this dagger if he didn't want something in return part of me wonders if he's going to end up threatening bran Mm -hmm. and if that's what's gonna send sansa over the edge i was thinking that he's just sort of figuring out how he can manipulate bran like what his weaknesses are so kind of gauging the reaction and then seeing if any of that can be manipulated but bran is so cool because as we'll talk about in the scene with Brandon Mira, he's in three-eyed raven mode, 100%. So he's not phased at all. He's like, thank you. Like, this is a weird gift, but I accept it. <laughs> and also, I know everything about you because hashtag chaos is a ladder. That was such a great moment. I love that because you can just see on Peter's face where he's just like, oh, right. shit. What does he yeah. know? What doesn't he know? Um So I think ultimately what's going to happen here is Bran is going to do some reflecting Mm -hmm. on the start of the Game of Thrones because Peter gave him that bait Mm -hmm. where he said this knife started it all. But he said that not knowing that Bran has supervision powers. Or does he know? Maybe he does. Apparently not. Yeah. Or at least not the extent to which the power exists. Yeah. Because with that line... And that's from season three, by the way. Um, yeah. So a long time ago. Um, Peter realizes for the first time that Bran's ability is not um, just limited to the Starks or the North. Like, this literally means everything. So Littlefinger's manipulations throughout um, the Seven Kingdoms, as far as back as season one, Bran knows everything that Littlefinger has been up to. And I think... Um this is going to lead Bran to tell Sansa slash Arya about Peter's role in their father's death. Um, Because I don't think Sansa realizes his betrayal because I don't think she would have trusted him in the first place if she did. And so I could then see Peter getting added to Arya's list. Her list has gotten very short because so many people on it are dead. (laughs) So (laughs) it is time for a little refresher. If we're going to yeah. keep this killer Arya assassin thing going. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see Arya being the one to kill um, Littlefinger, but I could also see Sansa directing her to do it. Yeah. Cool. And now Brandon Mira. So <laughs> this scene ended up reconciling a lot of my complaints from last week with Bran. Uh, yes. I think Mira said what we're all thinking. And that was necessary because then we got Bran to actually explain himself and say, I remember what it was like to be Bran, but I'm not Bran anymore. And that was helpful. Um, That was a transition that I think we sorely needed before he started acting weird. Yeah, like, I don't know, episode one would have been a great place for this conversation. So we didn't have to be confused for half the season. Yeah. (laughs) So as she says, Bran died in the cave when everyone else did 
And so now he's no longer Bran. He is the Three-Eyed Raven. Cool. That would have been great to know, you know, when it happened. But whatever. Yeah. And also, didn't they almost kiss, though, like, before Cold Hands came because they were going to die? So he didn't really die in the cave. He died once they got past the wall. Or something. In a figurative sense. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) We'll just go with it. So Mira is headed to her family. Mm-hmm. To Greywater Watch. I am very excited, but here's my thing. So Mira's on my death pool list for the season. Same. And so I'm confused why there's a few different ways the show could have gone. They could have killed her before. So I'm not sure why they're keeping her alive. It means she has some function beyond this not giving her anything else to do would be a real letdown because you kept her alive for this long and she's going to go back and do yeah she has to do something so if the white walkers and the whites end up getting as far as the neck and they need expertise as to well humans need expertise as to like the layout of the land or magic or something i mean we do know that the reeds are supposed to have some children of the forest like abilities and magic Mm -hmm. left so um we see that children of the forest continue to be referenced and so maybe their magic will be useful i like that okay but the next scene (gasps) we need to talk about oh my god aria aria Aria, (laughs) so we see her overlooking winterfell and then we next see her actually at the gates of winterfell (laughs) my heart was just I want, so full. A direct quote for me watching this last night was, "Yes, I hate Arya, but Maisie makes me love her. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a good actress. My first thought, actually, I have a lot of feelings about Maisie and Arya because in this episode, she did so much. Yeah. I thought both her and uh, Sophie's acting... I think they gave the best performances in this entire episode. Mm-hmm. They both had a lot of subtlety in their acting. I love when Arya is looking around the courtyard of Winterfell and just seeing mm-hmm. the familiarity of it because she hasn't forgotten, of course. But then it's so unfamiliar, too. Yeah. Being so long. And then, like, the total emos they are, the Stark kids meet in the crypts. Next to Daddy's cop. <laughs> And I, I mean, like, I love Sansa. I'm a Sansa girl all the way. But I just, like, my heart went out to her because first that meeting with Bran, he doesn't care. And then she meets Arya. And you can tell she just is, like, wants to run and hug her. But Arya's just like, hello. Do I have to call you Lady Stark now? My favorite line of Sophie's, of Sansa's, is um, when John meets you, his heart might stop. My favorite Sansa line is, Bran has <laughs> visions. <laughs> so my favorite tweet of all time um, from this episode that I saw, and I did not keep it, and I'm only paraphrasing it, so I'm really sorry to whoever cleverly put this together, but it was like, Sansa came home from college after majoring in political science to find out that both of her siblings had joined a cult. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I think I think I mentioned this in um, our book pods, which so this isn't out yet. But I remember at one point saying like, "Poor Sansa, whenever she has to meet up with Bran and Arya again, she's gonna realize one's like." turned into this all-knowing spirit and the other one's a psychopath and she's just gonna be like what yeah people keep laughing at Arya, but she is dead serious about what she's talking about that's part of her great acting is like as soon as sansa started laughing about the i have a list of people i'm trying to kill you watch Arya's expression Mm -hmm. change and she's like oh we're laughing okay i'm laughing now like she does such a good job of acting in a way that we can tell she's acting. Ah, I loved her Mm -hmm. performance. And then Bran is like, oh, your list. And you just, Sansa's face is just like, oh, shit. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. Bran gives Arya the knife. And in the way he gives it to her, I have a feeling that he knows what she's going to use it for in the future. I have a feeling that this knife is going to be really important and will kill quite a few people can we talk about this though because i'm confused why it has to be one this specific dagger into the valyrian steel so the valyrian steel to me means that Arya has a place in the wars to come and will go to the north because valyrian steel is useful for killing none other than white walkers so yeah that's the main purpose that's what you have to use it for that's what I'm waiting Sam to use Heartsbane for. And then secondly, why why this dagger? Like, why does it keep well, popping up? Why was it in the Grayscale book, the Dragonstone, um, that Sam I think because it reading? is Valyrian steel. Okay. And so that book was about weapons that would work against the others. Okay. And maybe this is one of a very few daggers ever made of Valyrian steel. That makes sense. And I think the reason it's popping up again is because... Um, Littlefinger is going to be killed with this dagger is my guess (laughs) and because this is the dagger that started all of the wars Mm -hmm. because of Littlefinger's maneuvering it's just it's a very full circle type of plot device does it seem heavy handed to you oh very especially since Littlefinger hasn't mentioned still having this dagger in the last six seasons but whatever yeah now this might (laughs) happen in the books but George is mm, subtle about it. Yeah. This is one of those things where I'm like firmly, this is the showrunners trying to pull a George but failing miserably at it. <laughs> Do you have any other comments for that scene? Um, at the very end of this scene when they're all walking back through Winterfell Courtyard mm-hmm. and Brienne and Potter watching, I just thought that was a really sweet moment because Brienne has fulfilled her vow and she sees Catelyn's children who are still alive they're there and they're reunited and they're safe and I just that made me my heart a happy heart oath keeper oath kept (laughs) I wonder what that means for her going forward though I think for the immediate future she still plans to stay with Sansa maybe yeah um also, what did you feel Littlefinger was feeling in this scene? Because I'm so confused. Is he trying to, is he looking at them like um, rubbing his hands? I think like Arya evil? scares him. Or is he like paternally happy to see all of them? I think, I think he does not like that Sansa is getting new people to depend on who aren't him. Mm. And I think he sees Arya especially as a threat. 
Yeah, this is one family not to double cross. They mean business. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, also, just one last thing while we're here at Winterfell still. Sansa is still in charge of all of the provisioning and stuff. So that's something that doesn't matter so much right now because it's definitely background. But in the future, it'll be important to see who does the best job at storing, at um, rationing, at just overall planning for the winter. I do think that there's a reason that every single episode has even a couple seconds about her talking about rations and harvests and storage. I think that's definitely going to play a part, a, a role in the future. Yeah. Okay, now on to Dragonstone. Take it away, Laurel. Yay! Oh my god, this scene was so great with <laughs> Miss Sandai and Danny. Because, like, at the end of the day, they are still, like, girls. Yep. Gossiping. We have our priorities. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, like, when, uh, when Danny's like, oh, things happened. Like, many things <laughs> happen, Laurel. Many things. What I liked even more is when John comes up. And Miss Andai gives Danny that look, and Danny's face, she just, like, can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, that was just so perfect. Yeah. Dan, I think Danny's starting to really have the hots for John in this episode. Well, he has his signature move. You can't beat it. I mean, he takes her to a cave. You know how that's, that's what for I wrote. <laughs> I wrote John plus caves equals and then smiley face. I just wanted to talk about the cave <laughs> because of the striped stone and the obsidian was beautiful. So that was a really good visual for us to get um, because seeing the obsidian being mined isn't necessarily something that we need to actually see. Um, but we know where it is now, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and you also see all the drawings and imagery that they have in the caves that was um there by the children of the forest and the first men and they have that whole kind of caveman drawing of um men and children of the forest fighting white walkers so we have that's the first time danny sees the white walkers yeah and i wanted to talk about this a little bit so the two symbols that they had really repeated on the cave one was like this spirally thing yeah. where you had a lot of lines spiraling out from one point. And then they also had what kind of reminded me of the Hand of the King, kind of that circle with a line going through yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And um, at on the inside the episode, they point out that we've seen bodies that the White Walkers have killed in those patterns. Mm -hmm. But do you have any ideas about what those are and what those mean? I've been trying to think about it. And obviously, like you just said, we're familiar with them ever since season one. So, but we've still had quite limited exposure to seeing them. We don't know what exactly they mean yet. My, I feel like it might be a way to fight, um, the spirally pattern and the arms coming out of the spiral kind of reminds me of a wave or a fan 
So maybe it's something like you have to fight in that sort of circular emotion or you have to f- or maybe it's a spell. It could be. Yeah. Um yeah. And I didn't give much thought to the circle with the line through it. Um I really have no ideas. Um and it really intrigues me. And I really hope it's not they don't like cop out and just like have them be symbols that never really get much of an explanation. Like I mm-hmm. want them to mean something. Yeah. Um and then I don't know how much I buy that Daenerys is like suddenly convinced about the others just by seeing a painting of them in a cave. I would say that she is still skeptical, but her skepticism is also breaking down. I think, like, I'll commit, but there's still going to be conditions, and I'm still going to, like, feel this out. Like, I'm not 100% committed, but I'm getting over 50%. I'm feeling more convinced. And also, John just touched my hand, so... I mean, yeah, (laughs) I do think that like it would be more believable to me that she's just becoming more fond of John and finds him to be more genuine and believable Mm -hmm. rather than like, oh, I saw cave paintings and now I believe you. Right. Like, um, but when she steps towards him and like is giving this whole big speech, I'm just like, are they going to kiss? Are they going to kiss yet? Oh, I didn't expect a kiss. But um. Amelia looked pretty but fly there. <laughs> I did also really appreciate that she's still saying you still need to bend the knee. Like, mm-hmm. we're not quite there yet, babe. Can we talk about this? Does he or does he not bend the knee? Because we don't see him. I don't know because she asks his advice in the next scene. So she's not mad at him. Yeah. I think he probably said, like, it did some kind of, like, pass off where he's like no like I'll bend the knee to you when you come to the north with me or something like that I don't know like if I were in that situation if I were Danny or John I would want an answer by the time I got out of that cave though because that seems like we're talking about it like let's just decide right now are you in or are you out what's what's your move but I think she's now that she likes him and they're starting to be somewhat affectionate with each other. I think um, she doesn't need an immediate answer from him, and she she thinks she's going to wear him down over time. But, yes, yeah, so let's talk about the beach scene. So Tyrion and Varys yes. join the whole group. Do you want to talk about that? Well, she gets very angry upon hearing about her loss at, High, oh, well, the Lannisters win at High Garden and... Um, her loss of Olena and the fact that Casterly Rock was a fake capture and she gets really angry at Tyrion here which is continuing to set up what I'm afraid of which is that I think she's losing trust in Tyrion Um, she says something about the fact that you know we're fighting your family maybe you don't actually want to win after all Um, and then she asks Jon what she should do which I thought was a really bold crazy move because she clearly wants to go attack King's Landing and he says you can't do that because then you'll never get the hearts of the people um and then it's kind of left open as to what she will do yeah 
just one thing off the I want to mention a few things. Number one, since you just mentioned the possibly attacking the Red Keep. Would she really, though, lose the hearts of the people? Because Cersei is not loved, we think. Like, genuinely. Does she have a court? Yes. Does that mean that anyone is actually in her corner? I think John's point was more that they won't see you as a savior. Right. They will see you as just another Cersei. Yeah. Well, that is fair. Burning your enemies. (laughs) Yeah. Uh... I, I'm really uncomfortable with Danny not liking Tyrion, like being angry Same. with him because I really, because we've seen Tyrion's journey, and we understand where he's coming from emotionally and where, like what he's had to go through to get to Danny, he wouldn't be doing this if he really didn't believe in her, if he really didn't have hope in her. I do think that this is just kind of her being angry at him in this moment I hope and I don't think that it is going to end up that they're on opposite sides right um one thing I can point to is that he is at the battle at the end Mm -hmm. she chooses to bring him with her to watch and I don't think she would do that if she really was deciding to not have him give her advice anymore yeah and I'm still waiting for him to get a dragon this season, so we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think that that might not happen this season. Also, I'm starting to Girl. be really worried that they're going to cut out Tyrion in terms of the Targaryens. I think that they might just make it Jon and Danny in the show. But there's still three dragons. Yeah, but remember I said I think one's going to die. So there's a few articles on the internet floating around that someone on Daenerys's small council, if you will, is betraying her. Do you think that there's any credence to that? Um, I can't imagine who it would be. I was thinking. And if I had to pick someone, I would pick Missandei or Varys. Um, I think it's less likely that it's Missandei because she was ready to die with Daenerys at the Pit of Marine, but they are setting up Varys in this season to die. But what would be the point? Because Cersei knows he betrayed her, so she's not going to take him back. If he and we had that whole setup in the second episode about the fact that she'll burn him alive if he betrays her but she would prefer him to talk to her face. So I could see him betraying her in the future, but only after she doesn't heed his advice. I don't I think that Danny is losing power right now simply because she and her small council are a little inexperienced, yeah, in fighting wars. And they're fighting Jamie as a general who's very talented at this. Mhm. Um but I think she has found her wings, per se. <laughs> Good pun, Laurel. By the end of this episode. <laughs> but um, So then we get my favorite scene in the entire show. So I just say, Maisie, holy shit, <laughs> as my notes here. Her acting in the scene is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, not just facial acting, which we know she's great at, but... Uh, physical acting as well in that battle her water dancing is incredible it's a wonderfully choreographed scene 
and I was just sitting here screaming out loud the entire time. I was laughing out loud, but like seriously, like belly laughing because it was just it so was satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at the end when Brian's like, who taught you how to fight like that? And there's the, that's the, you know, really subtle writing we've got in <laughs> this season is no one. I feel bad for Sansa because she's watching Bran have all of these mental superpowers mm -hmm. and then her little sister has all of these physical battle superpowers and she's just like what am I bringing to the table her political that's skills. kind of the read I but that's kind of the read I got from her expression watching Arya was just this like almost like what good am I kind of oh I did not How sense did you it that way that? I didn't sense it as competitive. I sensed it as another, like, whoa, Arya, you have real skills sort of thing. So next up, we have Dragonstone. And this is... Can I... Yeah, go ahead. I have one word. Mm -hmm. Fewer. <laughs> that was my favorite Stanish joke where he <laughs> always corrected people's grammar. But yeah, let's talk about... Besides the grammar point of that fewer and less than, we're going to have fewer than 10,000 men fighting in the North. Is that counting the children and the women that are fighting too? Because 10,000 is not a lot. I, yeah, it's not a lot. But there aren't a lot of people in the North now because so many of them died with Rob. Assuming that we're going to have to fight Euron on the sea with the navy and then fight the white walkers up north and then potentially the lannisters on land as well 10,000 isn't going to cover all of that even if danny can win with drogon all the time if yep. scorpions aren't an issue so we need to figure something out don't we yeah it's quite scary and i I would love to see a chart somewhere with the numbers of how many people could fight in all of Westeros or in each of the Seven Kingdoms or on some mm -hmm. on every side to better understand the context of this because we're hearing it every now and again in these episodes, but it's still like not super clear. Um, and then Missandei, did you yeah. like this whole conversation about her loyalty or was it weird for you? Um, it was weird, and then, like, her whole backstory of, like, where are you from? Oh, we don't have the concept of marriage there, so we don't understand back. Like, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what the point was Yeah, of her backstory. It almost makes me think that she's going to die really soon. <laughs> Just as, like, Maybe. getting our, our character sympathy levels up. And then, just for the loyalty thing, maybe that was letting us know that she's betraying Danny for real if you think she's betraying her on the small council but I don't know yeah the more I t think about it the less I believe either of yeah. them is now yeah I think they just were trying to flesh out Missandei's character a, l a little more and I don't know um but in this scene before we get to Theon Davos is trying to figure out what to call John. Did he like King <laughs> Snow? King John? <laughs> King John. <laughs> How did he feel it about It still this? makes me wonder. Well, I think they're 
we might be building up to a name reveal here because as we talked about at the end of last season, we don't think John's name is actually John. Um, I think you and I were talking about maybe Amon or Aegon or something like that. Some Targaryen name. Yeah. I want it um, to be a mix of John and Daenerys. So if it's Jai Harris or Jay Harris or yeah, it could be Jay Harris. I well. would love that. That would be really funny. Those are some common Targaryen names. I still think it would be funny if he was Aegon because then it <laughs> would be Daenerys and Aegon. Fagon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be like a nice little callback to that would for be book the readers. Best book joke ever. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I also do think Aemon is a mm-hmm. pretty likely candidate Uh, anyways that's a tangent i think that might have been why they were doing that is to remind us like hey we king john sounds kind of dumb king snow sounds kind of dumb we're gonna find out what this targaryen's name really is at some okay but let's to theon theon arrives back at dragonstone with the one ship that he was on of Greyjoys, and asks about sansa right away it's John on the beach that he's addressing because Daenerys has left Dragonstone at that point. So he is there to ask Daenerys for support to get Yara back. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give myself a call it on that one because <laughs> I said I thought Theon was going to come to Dragonstone to get Daenerys to help him get Yara back. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think that he'll stay there or... Is this our conduit back to Euron? Maybe. I don't know. At least it gives me hope that Yara's going to have a role in the future. His whole plot is kind of unpredictable to me, so I, I'm going to leave it as I don't know. Yeah. At the rate this is going, I really... So I think this is contradicting my past comments, but I think that right now... Where this is heading is he only has a role to play with the Greyjoys and not with the wars to come, generally speaking. Or maybe he has to be the one to help John and Danny fight Euron and then he'll die or something. I don't know. Hmm. You think any of that is likely, maybe? Yeah, I could see him helping them fight Euron, but I don't... I kind of wish I had had him in my death pool instead of Yara. (laughs) But I don't know. So where did the queen go? Because Theon is like, I want to ask Daenerys to help me get Yara back. Mm-hmm. And then Jon's like, she's not here. <laughs> you missed the boat on and that And then dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Literally, so as soon as we got that transition from she's not here to Jamie and Bronn, I started shrieking. <laughs> I was like, it's going to, shit, oh shit, it's going to happen. It's going to (laughs) happen. I knew. I knew that this is why we did not see any battle at Highgarden. (laughs) Yeah. So you're forgiven, Game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh my God. So how do we even begin to talk about this part of the episode? Well, it starts out really chill. It's just Jamie, Bronn, and Dickon. And they're just talking about, like, okay, so that was your first battle, Dakon. Um, How was it for you? And he's like, battle is glorious. Like, yay. Mm-hmm. And Bronn and Jamie are looking at him like, uh, seriously, dude? And then he's like, okay, so I knew guys on the other side, and I'm kind of sad about it. 
And Jamie is really sweet and says they didn't deserve to die. And they also mention that they've gotten all of the gold into King's Landing, right? Yes. So Important to note. Yeah, so Cersei did get the gold. Yeah, so the Iron but Bank will be happy. Then as soon as Randall Tarly says something about we've got to fo- get it closer together because if she takes out the head or if someone attacks us at the head, the tail is doomed. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> It's going to happen. That sounded very dragon-like to me, so my ears perked up right away. So Daenerys has decided that rather than attacking King's Landing, she will attack outside of King's Landing. Specifically Highgarden. Well, no, this is... So I looked at a map. Okay. Trying to figure this out because Highgarden is on the other side of the country. It's on the west coast and King's Landing is on the east coast. You know this. I'm just explaining Mm -hmm. it for listeners. And... um, they're talking about the fact that they have to cross the Blackwater, like so not Blackwater Bay, but Blackwater. I think it's called Rush. Rush or yeah, yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. That's which right. is the river that it basically runs from um, King's Landing and then southwest. And the road you would take to get to King's Landing from High Garden, it's called the Rose Road, and it doesn't cross the Blackwater Rush until right at King's Landing. Oh. So they are right outside of King's Landing for this battle, which also makes sense because then the Dothraki would have only had to be on boats for like an hour to get from Dragonstone to this part of where they are right outside of King's Landing. Which begs the question, where the fuck is Euron? But that's the tangent. <laughs> He's at Casterly Rock. Oh, still. I'm getting that confused would be my with guess. Littlefinger's time machine, so I'm yeah, I'm just leaving everything as open-ended as possible. <laughs> Last we saw, he was at Casterly Rock, but who knows? Um, well, not outside so, King's yeah. Landing, we can assume. <laughs> so this battle takes place, like, I'm guessing, looking at a map, right outside of King's Landing, which means um, I wonder how removed the people of King's Landing are from this, if they'll... If, if they'll be afraid, if they'll see the dragon or see any Dothraki, or if this is still far enough removed where it was strategically smart of her, where she's not going and melting down cities. Yeah. I. As far as show world is concerned, I didn't get the feeling that anyone um, not participating in the battle knows about this. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the rest of my notes here for a while are, oh my god, dragon, question mark, screaming, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Mine were, this is going to be lit, in all capital letters, because I saw the horses coming over the hill, and I was just like, oh my gosh. screaming. Dothraki battle, we haven't really seen this before. And the moment that they start rallying the Lannisters to get together Mm -hmm. and form information i just got chills like actual chills because i was like oh my god it's happening it's happening it's happening yeah this is the first battle in game of thrones history with a dragon yeah that and we can see exciting what a game changer it is now and it was so cool because i didn't i mean like i knew from the trailer that the dothraki and the dragon were going to be in the same battle um but because you didn't see it at first, I was just kind of like, huh, I wonder if, 
like I was still trying to figure out what was going on. And then as soon as you hear the dragon scream, I was like, <gasps> bow down before her might. I love her so much. Targ time. Like, I was, I was really hyping the Targ. Yeah. My favorite shot of this whole battle, which was fantastic, and there's a 13-minute uh, bonus video on HBO's website or on YouTube of how they made it, which I highly recommend that everyone watch. But they described how the stuntmen jumped up on the horses and were able to do all of the, like, the shooting of the bows that and was arrows. That was so cool. And just the um, moving around with the RX or RX, whatever yeah. we're calling them. And I was yeah. just, I loved, I loved that. Like, the Battle of the Bastards yeah. is still probably my favorite out of the two. But this is This amazing. one was really good. It really was. Yeah. And this is why, by the way, if you're not a book reader or don't know much about the history of the Targaryens, this is why they were the rulers of the Seven Kingdoms and they conquered the Seven Kingdoms. And Because dragons. Yeah. And by the way, this is the first time that anyone in Westeros outside of the Dothraki and the people of Dragonstone have seen a dragon in their life. So mm-hmm. we also need to remember, like, they're like, what? what? Like, this is something that yeah. we have literally maybe, maybe heard about. Never read about. Yeah. This is truly unprecedented. And that scene where the Dothraki come riding in through the fire. Ah, oh, it was so good. And um, they were really true to this, too, with the horses, because horses are really scared of dragons. And so they yeah. had a shot of, I think, the three horses running away. And that's definitely yeah. 100% true to the books. And so then we get Bronn and Jamie, and Bronn's like, get out of here. <laughs> and Jamie's like, we can take them. And then the dragon Bronn's comes. like, you're the general. You are not yeah. an infantryman. You get back to King's Landing. Otherwise, there will be hell to pay. But Jamie does not heed that advice. And mm. then I think that is a really interesting scene where Bronn loses his money and basically has to choose like between going and continuing to fight the battle or if he wants to keep his money. That was, that was nice because it's a little different from the books where we see Bronn always picking the money in the end. Yeah. This, um, that scene I noted as well, because I, that's a genuine choice. Like, do you choose the money or do you choose, you know, sa- trying to save this? And the fact that he chose, at the end of this scene, we'll talk about it, that he chose Jamie really speaks to Bronze yeah. character. Like, he's not as bad as one might think. At least in the show, he's not. Yeah. Do we want to get into talking about the scorpion? Um, I just had a few more little comments about the battle sure. at large. Number one, Tyrion is at this battle, like you mentioned. So that's so you're taking your military advisor to a battle, which is probably a good thing. At a yeah. safe distance away because he's smart. And he seems to have learned a Thraki because he's not there with a translator. And a Dothraki guy is standing next to him talking to him. So that's an interesting detail. That's a good point. Um, Jamie looks on in defeat, but Jamie still wants glory a little bit. And burning bodies is gruesome. So um, for some reason beyond my ability to fathom, they have named a crossbow the scorpion. Um, cool. I'm okay. with you there. I don't know. <laughs> that's it. Sure, I guess. 
Um, and so Bron is trying to use it against Drogon. And um, I'm going to give us another called it because you and I both said when the Scorpion was first unveiled that um, we thought Drogon might get injured, mm-hmm. but we didn't think it was that this was going to be what killed Drogon. Correct. So we get a called it on that one. I guess the strategy is that now you need to have more than one in every battle. This, it was weird to me, but it also makes sense that they were just randomly carrying around the scorpion with them, like on the off chance that yeah. Danny would fly in. So that was a little bizarre. I guess bizarre. it makes sense. But yeah. But anyway, she did fly in. So there was some good planning involved with that. Um, and Braun knew exactly how to use it without any training. So I guess, I mean, it's pretty simple, like point and shoot, put in the arrow. Cool. Um, and yeah, he hits Drogon right, like below his neck, like on his shoulder. And it seems like Drogon has been very grievously injured because he kind of does a rolly thing in the air. But then it appears that he's mostly fine and proceeds to uh, just inflame the scorpion and then destroy it with his tail. So there's no more scorpion. In terms of strategy here, making your ultimate weapon against dragons out of wood, probably not the best idea. Do you think they're going to make more of these or was this the only one? I think they'll have no choice but to make more because it was a decent defense. The only reason it didn't work is because it was simply a matter of the angle. Well, they also don't know where to hit dragons to kill them, do they? It it's so it hasn't been made explicit in the show yet. Yeah. Um but it came pretty close. I would say the camera angle was um, suggesting that it would come close to his face. Yeah. So they were pretty close. I thought Daenerys's work at pulling the arrow out of Drogon was quite nice and a Danny move trying to... But then she doesn't take into consideration that this is a battlefield and that um, there may be threats that Drogon can't see. Yeah. Um, which happens to be none other than... Jamie Lannister. And it's been so long since a Game of Thrones battle has had me go like, no, I don't want either side to lose. <laughs> and this was it. I honestly thought Jamie was going to die. Um, this is a very not Game of Thrones move that they had him get saved at the very end. Yeah, this was a very dramatic... I don't know where Bronn came from. He was from the Scorpion yeah. to... Literally, like, football diving, pushing Jamie out of the way. I was so sad for Tyrion. Because I didn't want Jamie to die here, but Jamie was going for it. Okay, so let's get into the cliffhanger for this week. Bronn pushes Jamie into the water, and they both end up in the water. So it Mm -hmm. seems like they have um, missed the flames from Drogon. And the ringer here is that Jamie is in armor and it is in the books all of the time during most mm-hmm. of the battles that water and armor don't mix True. so 
But on the other hand, we do know that Jamie is plot armor. So And that's exactly <laughs> what I think. And why I'm frustrated because this is not George level plotting and writing here, I don't think. Um, they went for the dramatic rather than the realistic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Jamie's gonna die. I think he's somehow going to survive. But he shouldn't, given the yeah. circumstance. He should have died. Yeah, but I don't think he's that going to. That plot armor doesn't weigh anything. <laughs> oh, very clever. Yeah. So um, just to do a really quick, like, out of the blue kind of greater discussion, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people, and I don't know if you agree or if we've ever talked about this or not, but I've heard a lot of people comparing the White Walkers um, to climate change yeah. in terms of this existential threat that nobody believes exists until it's too late yeah. dragons are nukes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's this if you have them you are going to be able to destroy whatever you want because no one can come close to it so um, just thinking in terms of the political implications I think someone else needs to get a dragon which is making my suspicion that we're going to get an ice dragon more and more and more real in my mind. Hmm. I I still don't know. But also I this it could be a situation where book and show are different again because we've yeah. seen that the show is willing to go to great lengths to create the story. Um, to follow George's vision, but they've also scaled back on so many things that an ice dragon might be pushing it, especially when we didn't get a dire wolf in this episode. I think we're going to get an ice dragon, and I don't think it's going to be an ice dragon. I think it's going to be a zombie dragon. It would have to be John's, because he's the only zombie I know. I don't know. I think it's either going to be Viserion or Rhaegal. I don't know which one it's going to be. Although I think John's going to ride Rhaegal. John on Rhaegal. Yep. Yeah, so I think Viserion's going to be the ice dragon. I don't think it's... Or I do think it is too late to introduce a baby dragon. So it'll have to be for, fully mm-hmm. grown. And the only fully grown dragons we know are the ones that Jenny has. And yeah. if the White Walkers are using anything... My suspicion would be either one of the Targaryens using their dragon, and we could have the quote-unquote ice dragon, or we get the White Walkers on their ice spiders. That would be badass, too. Shout out to the ice spiders. <laughs> and much less sad. Shout out ice fighters. Um, oh, and just one last thing to end the episode on a light note. What does Jamie pay back Braun with? For saving his life. Because <laughs> um, a castle ain't going to cut it. <laughs> so let's just... Um, any other comments before we rate the episode? Um, just really quick. My favorite thing to do. The spoils of war. Talking about the episode name. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we've got Highgarden spoils of war. Paying off Cersei's debts. And then we've got Danny destroying all of the spoils that aren't the gold. And I think it's kind of an ironic take on the concept of the spoils of war. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I, my in-depth reading of this title is looking at Winterfell and looking at the reunions we saw there, Mm -hmm. um, how war has spoiled this family. And 
how Sansa and Arya and Bran are all not okay and not normal and they've really lost even their sense of family because I I, think, I was yeah. glad that the Winterfell reunion was bittersweet and it wasn't this perfect like oh, I missed you I loved you like that's why I like John and Sansa's right. reunion <laughs> I did too but this felt right and it made sense to be in an episode titled The Spoils mm-hmm. of War something that I just thought of that ties in with what you just explained about the episode is something that we've been looking forward to as book readers and how do these characters react when they're back at Winterfell to their new futures, to what their Mm -hmm. futures now hold. Bran is totally and completely okay with Sansa being in charge of Winterfell. Arya is totally and completely okay with Sansa being in charge of Winterfell. Jon is totally okay with that as well. So it's something that we've been waiting a long time to know. And that just, yeah. So that made me happy about this episode. Yeah. But again, the spoils of war and how will Sansa carry on the Stark name if she's Lady of Winterfell? Does she, she'll have to marry again? And if so, who? And if, you know, when? I don't think she will have to marry again. To have children? Legitimate children? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't Do know you if that's see her having a future? I don't know if that's something we'll see in this epi- in this show. I think that might happen outside of the scope of the show. Mm. That's a fair point. I think yeah. the show might end where she's still single. Mm. If she's alive. I have a feeling that she will be. Mm. We shall see. Starks are survivors, except for Rickon and Rob. And Ned and Callan. <laughs> and brandon yeah and um what was ricard Ricard. (laughs) and vengeance um but anyway so my rating for this episode is my first 10 of the season just really there it is okay this was amazing and like i said i enjoyed laughing in this episode during the winterfell scenes the fighting both with Brienne and Pod and Arya was amazing. The reunions that we got, um, the and just our first Dothraki battle. I've been waiting so long to see this on the screen, and I was not disappointed. So this is the inverse of last week for me, where last week I came off the episode feeling really hype, and then as I nitpicked it, I came down a little bit. <laughs> this one... So I had to watch this show about an hour and a half after everyone else had watched it. And I stayed free of spoilers, but all I got was that this is the greatest episode of Game of Thrones ever from (laughs) everyone on my every feed. And so I was watching it with that expectation. And so Mm -hmm. I came off of it and I was like, it was good, but it wasn't the best. And then as I rewatched it today and talked to you about it, it, it kind of like felt more exciting and I was more like okay okay yes this one was great so it's gonna get a nine for me my only nitpick is that I still think the pacing is way too fast and some of the dialogue was still frustrating like subtle beating you over the head (laughs) Um, and I just don't think that their ability to formulate a plot outside of the books is up to par with the seasons that were closely following book plot 
Yeah. So I don't disagree with you on any of that. Cool. That's all very, very right, I think. But maybe with the Winds of Winter being released, they'll get some more guidance with from George with this next season, mm-hmm. with the last season. I mean, they they have to have him on as an executive producer because it's the last season, so they they need it. They need him to really so. make sure everything comes full circle. Yeah. Laurel, do you want to tell people how they can get in contact with us? Yes. Um, first off, thank you for listening. Uh, Kate and I love having an audience to listen to our rants about <laughs> Game of Thrones. Um, we always talk to each other after every episode like this, but it's way more fun to like have a reason to. Um, and so if you want to talk to us, to and join that conversation you can find us over at twitter we are king's landing pod and that is also our gmail address if you would like to make a more long form type of message at us to us yes yeah thank you for listening and as always we drink and we know things cheers